Behold, I stand at the door and knock. They that open the door to me, I will come in and supper with them, and they with me. Good job, girls. They came up to me before uh, church started, and they said, um, what's this word sup mean? And I said, well, it doesn't mean sup. <laughs> I said, it's kind of like come in and have supper with me. That's why she said supper, right? <laughs> I love that. All right, would you bow your heads and pray with me? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. If you were with us last week, you'll remember that um, I, uh, we began the process of discerning the possibility that some of us, maybe, maybe most of us, may be spiritually sick. Now, uh, there's lots of different forms of spiritual sickness. Um, oftentimes, we know that we're sick. We may not be able to articulate it. Maybe, maybe we didn't even name it as a sickness, but somewhere down deep inside, if, that, if indeed you are spiritually sick, you know it. You just haven't been able to, to put words to it or identify it, perhaps. As I mentioned a moment ago, there are lots of different forms of spiritual sickness. One of the most common is, uh, especially here in America, is something that I've named affluenza. And the symptoms of affluenza um, is that it will cause us to believe that, we, um, that we're smart enough, we're savvy enough, that we are well-to-do enough, that um, we got life handled, that, um, that everything is good. Or the symptom may play itself out in such a way as to say, well, what's going on in my life isn't that big a deal. Um, every, there's other people that got it worse. Uh, I need to just learn how to take care of this myself. I shouldn't need anyone, including God. That's one of the symptoms of affluenza. Now, uh, it is, that is not to say that people who suffer from affluenza don't believe in God. Uh, I believe that most people do believe in God. Most, most people who are suffering from affluenza believe in God. It's just that you have convinced yourself because of this affluenza that you don't need him. It's one thing to believe. It's another thing to need. So what do we do? One of the other symptoms is we compartmentalize God. We, as I mentioned last week, we will use God as kind of a fashion accessory and we'll put him on a shelf in our closet and we'll leave him there until Sunday morning rolls around and we'll take God off the shelf and we'll put God on and we may go to church. And as we're wearing God at church, suddenly we start feeling better. It feels good and we leave church and we think, I just feel so much better. And then we go home and, and after feeling so much better and we get kind of back into life, we put on our regular everyday weekly kind of clothes, we put God back up on the shelf and then as the week goes by, um, we start feeling kind of blah again. Under the weather. Not quite right. The Bible calls it being lukewarm. 
Before we know it, we're back to the same place we were just a week ago. Sick, but not knowing what to do about it. Now, one of the interesting things about affluenza is that um, it's like a lot of other sicknesses that we human beings um, have to deal with, suffer from, whether physical or spiritual. It, it is caused, the root of it is caused by bad life choices. Those are the symptoms, some of the symptoms. Today, we are going to focus on the cure, and this is the good news. And what you're going to discover about this cure that God has to offer uh, of your, to your potential or for your potential sickness is that it's not as simple as taking a pill. If you really want to be healthy, if you really want to overcome this sickness that you may be suffering from, um, it's going to require some uh, behavioral modification too, if you really want to be healthy. But there's a cure. If you're looking for joy no matter what the circumstance of life. If you are looking for strength, God has it for you today. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to uh, open them up to Revelation chapter 3. That's where we left off last week. And as you're opening up to Revelation chapter 3, I'll give you a little just a refresher course of what we learned last week that will help us to identify the cure um, this week. Here in Revelation chapter 3, um, Jesus, through the Apostle John, is speaking directly to a church that existed back then called Laodicea. Now, Laodicea was really, um, in a lot of ways, very similar to our church, uh, or churches, a lot of churches here in America. It had a lot of good things going for it, especially from a worldly perspective, but this church was sick. And that's what Jesus was was identifying. He was diagnosing for them this sickness that they were exhibiting in their lives. A sickness that they were aware of, but they really hadn't been able to put their finger on. Jesus was was letting them know that they were sick, and he wanted them to know also that their sickness was causing him to be sick, remember? Because it says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 16, that their behavior or their attitude towards life, this sickness that was the way they were living their life because of the sickness, was making Jesus want to vomit. I didn't say that, Jesus did, okay? Just so if anybody got, wants to be grossed out, it's his fault. So, Jesus is identifying their sickness and saying, your sickness is making me sick, and let's do something about it. And that brings us up to today, where Jesus offers them the cure to what ails them. But as we look at this cure, you need to know that there's two parts to the cure. And as we look at this, the rest of the passage, we're going to look at things a little different so that you can appreciate the two-part cure. We're going to start at the end of the passage... And then go back, work our way back to where we were yesterday, or last week. This is uh, Revelation 3.20. And this is Jesus speaking to this church that had a lot of stuff going for it, but was sick. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. They that open the door to me, I will come in and sup with them. Or I'll come in and 
hang out with them. I'll come out, come in and live with them. And they with me. Now that's beautiful. I like that. But what in the world does it mean? From a practical perspective, I mean. Well, basically what he's saying here, he's coming, he's making a doctor's call. Right? It's the, it's the doctor coming to the patient's house. He's making a home visit. Knocking on the door. Saying, I've got your cure. And I'm it. Now that shouldn't surprise anybody, right? Jesus is the cure to what ails you spiritually. Jesus is saying to, as he's standing at the door, he's saying, open it up. Open up the door. Let me in. I've got your cure. And he's saying, don't just open it up a crack. Don't just open it up just far enough for me to get the foot in the door. He's saying, let me in. Because I want to have supper with you. I want to live with you. I, because that's what's required. I can't be just a fashion accessory for you. If you want this cure, if you want this to actually make a difference in your life, you've got to open the door all the way and let me in. Because if all you do is just, is just make open the door a crack, it's not going to work. Got to open that door. Let me in. All the way. Now, that sounds so simple, right? As I said, it shouldn't surprise any of you as Christians. It shouldn't surprise you that Jesus is the, is the cure to that which ails you. But if, as, as I'm want to say often here at Prairie Bible Church, just because something is simple doesn't make it easy, right? If it was easy, we'd all just do it and we would be healthy. But most of us are not. And that's where the other part of the cure comes in. Go back to verse 19. In Revelation 3 verse 19 Just one verse prior to his saying, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, asking that I can come in and sup with you, that I can be your cure. Just one verse prior to that, Jesus says this to them. He says, Those that I love, I chasten. Okay. What's he saying there? Well, again, it's pretty simple. First thing he wants you to know is just what he said. I love you. But basically what he's setting up here, and especially if you go back and you look at it in the, con- the entire context of this whole passage that we started last week and we're kind of finishing up this week, basically what he was really trying to say is, yes, I love you, but I love you so much that I'm never going to give up on you. I'm going to do whatever is necessary so that um, you will open the door to me. You see, if it was a typical doctor-patient arrangement, uh, the doctor would diagnose the disease and give you the, the cure and then just expect you to follow through. And if you didn't follow through, that's on you, right? Well, Jesus is saying, this is not the way it's going to be with me because I love you, right? Because I love you, I'm going to do whatever is necessary to get your attention, to get you to respond to me, in the hope that you will respond to me. Now, I'm not going to make you, because I love you and I, I respect your right to choose, but I'm not giving up on you. You better deal with this right now. I am not giving up on you. I'll keep calling. I will keep knocking on the door. In the hope, just in the hope, 
that one day you'll say, okay, I'll let you in. I love that about my Jesus. I hope you do too. Maybe a little annoying, especially when you want him to go away. But he's not going to go away because he loves you. Now, all of that should cause you to ask again. This, these are beautiful images. But what does it look like? What, what does this never giving up look like in a practical sense in your life? What does it mean what, what, when Jesus says, I love you so much I'm never going to give up on you? I'm never going to stop knocking at your door. What does that mean? Well, it can mean anything. Because he's going to do whatever is necessary to get your attention. And he's not going to give up until he figures it out. It could take the form, for example, of encouragement. It could be that God will, that Jesus will bring somebody into your life that will um, remind you that he loves you. Maybe it will be just a whisper in his ear, in your ear, and say, I'm not giving up on you. Maybe it will be the person in line at, behind you at Starbucks that, that um, paid for your coffee. It reminded you you're not alone. Maybe it'll be your accountability partner. I don't know. But what I know is that one of the ways that God continues to knock at your door is to bring people like that into your life or have circumstances in your life in the hope that you will respond. But let's be real, okay? The truth of the matter is we human beings, that's the kind of stuff we take for granted, right? It's easy for us to to just say, well, you know, it's coincidence. Or yeah, I know that Randy loves me, but... So, if we are apt to take that kind of positive encouragement for granted, he'll try another tact. He may even discipline you. Those I love, I chasten. Which means I, those I love, I will discipline. God would, will allow things to happen. Bad things to happen. In the hope that it will cause you to turn to Him. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're saying, oh, so God makes bad things happen? Listen to me. God doesn't need to make bad things happen. You know why God doesn't need to make bad things happen? Because you live in a world that is broken and sinful, which means bad things happen all the time because you live in a world that is broken and sinful. So God doesn't need to cause bad things to happen. But God will allow bad things to happen. He's not above using bad things if it will help you to say, listen, I'm knocking at your door. Aren't you sick and tired of trying to figure this out on your own? Aren't you sick and tired of being sick and tired? 
Because it doesn't have to be that way. You say back, well, well, can't God keep the bad things from happening? Yeah, God can, but number one, God um, is not going to take away other people's free will, which, again, we live in a sinful and fallen world, so that's not going to happen. But there are sometimes he just he lets it happen because he's thinking maybe this will be the thing that causes you to remember or to embrace the fact that you ain't that smart, that you haven't got it all together. And that you do need Him. Aren't you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Perhaps this morning, what you have heard is Jesus knock, pounding at your door, saying, I'm here. I've got this cure for what ails you. If, you see, remember earlier when I said that it's not an accident that you came today? It could be that the reason why you came today is because you needed to hear this. And you needed to pray this prayer with me today. That you needed to Finally, get it through your thick skull that you're not that smart, you're not that savvy, and you're not that well-to-do, and that you indeed do need Jesus in every part of your life. If you need that, if you need that cure, I invite you to bow your heads and pray with me. You don't have to say it out loud. If you want to, you certainly can. You can even make it your own, but just This is the prayer that we lift to you today, Jesus. As people who are spiritually sick. Lord, we've we've known that we have been sick for a while. Part of it, the reason why we haven't done anything is because we weren't sure what could be done. And part of it is just because we're hard-headed. Part of it is because we're afraid that if we actually open that door all the way and let you in, that it would require some change, some behavior modification on our part. We weren't sure we want to. But we're sick and tired of being sick and tired. I thank you, Jesus that you love us so much that you will continue you, and even after today you will for those who, who aren't ready yet you will continue pounding at that door hoping that we'll open it up thank you Lord for being so persistent and so loving we're throwing the door open and asking you to come in have supper with us.
We're asking you to be a part of every part of our lives. Every part of my life. We're asking, I'm asking Jesus that you would cure me of that which ails me. That you would cure me of the belief that I don't need you. That you would cure me of the belief that something else can fill that emptiness inside of me. Because I've been trying to fill it with so many other things and other people that have only let me down that I'm just tired of it. And I want you. I'm bound to fail. I've made decisions like this before and I fall back into the same patterns oftentimes but but what I know what you have continued to demonstrate to me Jesus is that in the midst of it all you continue knocking on that door saying open up invite me in come in Jesus Remind me, remind us every day that you are everything that we need. When everyone and everything else fails us, including ourselves, remind me that you're everything I need. I love you, Lord. We love you. And we thank you for the love that you first showed us. In your holy name. just prayed it now let's sing it together Lord I come I confess bowing here I find my rest let's stand together without you I fall apart you're the one that guides my heart Cause Lord, I need you, oh, I need you, every hour I need you, my one defense, my righteousness, oh God, how I need you. Where sin runs deep, your grace is more. Where grace is found, is where you are. And where you are, Lord, I am free. Holiness is Christ in me.
my one defense, my righteousness. Oh God, how I need you. So teach my song to rise to you. When temptation comes my way, and when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. So teach my songs to rise to you. When temptation comes my way, and when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. Cause Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh God, how I My one defense, my righteousness, oh God, how I need you. That's our prayer, God. We don't have to get super in-depth or, or overly philosophical or theological or any of that. Lord, we just need to turn to you. Just say, God, I need you. Our heart says it all, Lord. So let us live from that place of needing you. It's so easy, God, to fall back into our trap of thinking we got this. We can handle it. We might need a little help once in a while, but we can can handle things. Lord, forgive us of that. God, that's the worst sin of all. Because it's that pride that so often causes us to miss the reason why we're even here. So strip us of all that. Break us down. Clean us out. So that all we're left with is that need we have. In need of you that you promised you would satisfy. You promised that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness would be would be filled. <clears throat> that if we would seek first your kingdom and righteousness, that everything else we think we need would be dealt with. So God, give our hearts that peace, that assurance. That all things, Lord, can be found in you. We need you, Jesus, and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a great week.